0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. I'm doing a, a little bit of a series that I, I titled to myself, Jesus Never Asks an Innocent Question. And um, last week, we looked at the man at the Pool of Bethesda, desperately lonely. This morning is a woman who comes to the well at the middle of the day. All the ladies went to the water in the early morning. but It was nice and cool, and they could talk. And it was kind of the uh, first-century equivalent of a hair salon. You go and talk and gossip and all of that. and, And here she comes alone, alone and in my thinking she also is probably desperately alone and she is a samaritan now the samaritan's way back at the babylonian exile they were left behind and they commingled with babylonians intermarried etc and then in the 2nd century bc when Antiochus Epiphanes came down from Greece and allied with the Syrians to conquer Jerusalem. The Samaritans went with the Syrians. They sided with the Syrians, and that's recent memory now. And so the Jews and the Samaritans hated one another. They detested each other. Now, i did an invocation this week and in the prayer i said those who with whom we disagree are not our enemies they're our neighbors (laughs) someone took umbrage at that afterwards and um, you think it's bad now back then it was it was absolutely detesting of the samaritans and so jesus jesus Makes lessons with the Samaritans that teach us that they, too, are children of God, even though we don't like to hear it, even though we may find that to be unacceptable because of how those people are. So this is a Samaritan woman. And Jesus and the disciples are traveling north from Judah to, to Galilee and ordinarily, they would go up through the, the Jordan Valley. But here it says that they had to go through Samaria. And I believe that the necessity of that particular route was because Jesus needed to meet this particular woman. Here, the word of God as it comes to us from the fourth chapter of John. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field of Jacob that his son gave to Joseph. Jacob's well was there. and Jesus, tired from the long walks, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Peace, please give me a drink. He was alone. And because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, he was alone with her. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who it is that is speaking to you, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he is and his sons and animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to drink water. Go, Jesus said, and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't married to the man you're living with now. You have spoken the truth. So the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it You Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it was here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I am. The Messiah Jesus said and the woman left her water jars and went back into the town that she had come from and she went with great joy and said to the people come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She was not only the first to hear the confession of Jesus' identity as Messiah, but she was the first evangelist of the church, the first one to go and tell the good news that Christ has come. A Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, A Samaritan woman of five husbands. And the way the Greek actually reads, when Jesus says, and the man you're living with now is not your husband, the way the Greek emphasis would actually be is the man you're living with is not your husband. So she's a woman of questionable, if not tragic background. We don't know why she's had this many husbands. There's no explanation because when divorce occurred, all it had to be was the man was simply dissatisfied with her for whatever reason and just write a, write a note that, and take it to the priest and say, I divorced this woman and it's done or she could have been widowed that many times, or it could have been a combination of all the above. We don't know. But what we do know is that she is coming late in the day, the middle of the day. She's coming because she does not want, perhaps, to endure the, the, the glances, the comments that she can barely overhear, the way people may talk, amongst themselves about her. For whatever reason, she comes and is alone, alone, and doesn't know really what to do with all of that, that emptiness in her heart. What do we do when we pursue happiness and we find ourselves empty and lonely and alone? When we realize that it doesn't fill the vacuum, what do we do? When we think all I've got to do is get that car and I'm going to be happy. I say that. Just recently, I got the car I wanted, 2004 Toyota Sequoia, and I was. I got it to 120,000 miles on it when I bought it, and I was driving it up to see my son up in Jacksonville Beach because they had arrived up there, and the car broke down on me. So I'm so lonely because the car broke down. <laughs> no, but seriously, how, what do we do when we pursue happiness in life and we're still unhappy, when we're still empty? When we, in the most honest, transparent moments with ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror and see there's nothing there. We try to do it all with stuff. And it doesn't take too long to realize the stuff doesn't do it. And neither does the bottle, neither does the bar, Neither does all the many things that we may pursue to try to fill that emptiness. So the woman who comes to the well is perhaps desperately aware that she's alone. And she may be grappling with relationships. Certainly after that many marriages, she had to be wondering, what's wrong with me? What is it about me that I can't keep it together? Is it any surprise that the man she's with, she declined perhaps to marry, had to sneak around to, to have someone who would at least provide some human affection? Jesus sees all this. Jesus sees this woman, and she tries to put him off. She tries tries with their relationship and their discussion to try to keep him at a distance. And when he says what he says, and says, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with is not your husband. (laughs) She responds with a theological question. Let's change the subject. I don't want to talk about this. but Jesus treats her with tenderness throughout the scriptures when we see Jesus with someone who has stumbled upon the human condition what we see is a man who's profoundly tender for whatever reason they they find themselves in that place where they've fouled up time and again Jesus is there for them with tenderness and and listening. He knows that those who have stumbled and fallen so hard and so so far, he knows that that they feel the pain. They live with self-accusation. That's why I played Jackson Brown, don't remind me of my failures. I haven't forgotten them. We haven't forgotten our failures. If anything, we afflict ourselves with them. So Jesus spends time with her. He he listens to her. He attends to her. And then shares with her his identity. And we have this remarkable reality that when we encounter the identity of Christ, When we find out who he is, we find out who we are. When we encounter the true identity of who Jesus is, we find out the true identity of who we are. The waters of baptism don't wipe out, don't eradicate our identities, just all the false identities that we have. That's why the apostle Paul says in Christ there's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. There's no identity politics in the kingdom of God. But our identity as who we truly are is fully affirmed. Not some surface identity, but the deep reality of who we are is affirmed by Christ. And when we pass through the waters of baptism the old is passed away behold the new has come we are new creatures in him the samaritan woman is made new this this woman who is so broken so hurting so alone joyously goes back she doesn't even take her water buckets with her she just goes back to town smiling calling out, telling the people what has happened in her life. She's overwhelmed because someone, someone found her. She was so afraid to be found out, but what she didn't fully realize was that in being found out, she was also found. She was found, by being found out. And that's the an example of what the church should be, what we need to be with one another. Too many of us are afraid to be found out. Because in being found out, we're afraid that we'll be like that woman, isolated, alone, have to sulk around and, and sneak about, hide ourselves. Because we have not forgotten our failures and we're so afraid that everyone else is going to know them too and that they will gladly pass judgment on us you know I I think it's true that we are very good at identifying the faults of others but we're also very good at afflicting ourselves with our own faults and carrying around that that guilt I believe that is one of the primary reasons that people don't like to come to church not just that we're boring it's people don't want to be judged and they don't want to be judged because they're judging themselves way too much they can only take so much and to come to church only to feel worse somehow we've lost Track of the fact that the, that the Christian faith is in the forgiveness business. We're not in the judgment business. We don't need to tell somebody else they're false. We need to simply allow the Spirit of God to, to do the convicting of the heart. And, and then we follow that conviction with the good news. The good news which is, you know, it doesn't matter what you did. Five husbands, you're living with somebody else's husband now, and you're still loved. You can still be a part of the kingdom of God. You're a Samaritan. You're not even a Jew. You can still be loved. You can still be a part of the kingdom. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's all washed away, that's what gets washed away in the waters of baptism. Not, not our true identity, that gets affirmed. And the, the creature that we are, that God has created us to be, that is, that is what we become. T.S. Eliot has a scene with a, a woman named Celia and she's been brought up in a very sophisticated British home. And she says, well, my upbringing was pretty conventional. I had always been taught to disbelieve in sin. Well, I don't mean that it was never mentioned, but anything wrong from our point of view was either bad form or was psychological. I don't see why mistakes should make one feel sinful. And yet I can't find any other way for it, any other word for it. It's a feeling of emptiness, of failure towards someone or something outside of myself. And I feel I must atone. Is that a word? Can you treat a patient for that state of mind? Well, a psychologist can't, perhaps. But a loving brother or sister of faith can it's by telling that no, you cannot atone. You can't make it right. But Christ can. He's paid the price for our sin. He has done the atoning work on the cross. So, so she goes back, and she's in her village. rather than hiding out she's going down the middle of the street calling out come see look come and see the a a man who told me everything I ever did now some are thinking I want to hear this others are thinking what on earth is she talking about and perhaps she's also saying this man is the Messiah here is the Christ And so the people gather together and begin to come to the well. The disciples have come back. They've got some food. They went into Taco Bell for some burritos or whatever, and they're coming back, and and they're wondering why why on earth he was talking with a woman, not just a woman, but a a woman of Samaria. Why would you do that? And, And Jesus gives no real explanation, but he says, look, even now, the fields are white for the harvest. They turned and saw the Samaritan villagers coming, and they characteristically all wore white, coming to the well and calling upon his disciples to do the work of sharing the good news to these people Because they may not have been found out But they can be found They can receive this this good news this, This word of forgiveness This word of newness of life This word that says yes you can begin again And you can be loved For who you really are For the one that God has created you to be When I was in high school, you know how these things go. There was a there was a girl and everyone talked about her. And you know, I was I was not a part of any of the you know groups. I didn't drink and I was an athlete and paid attention to my schoolwork and all that sort of thing. And, I had friends and everything else, but I wasn't part of a social scene. But I do remember how they spoke about this girl. And I was disturbed. They would talk that way about her. And then when I had my church in Ventura, I I was back in... Riverside, for some reason, I forget what. But I drove by Fairmont Park, coming into town. And I, I stopped because, as a kid, I used to go down there, and I was the daycare, or pardon me, day camp there, and all that sort of thing. And, and I saw in the, in the playground area a beautiful young mom with three little kids, it was that girl. And my heart just soared. I was so happy for her. I was just so glad. I, I didn't talk to her. I just saw her. I didn't really even know her. But I was just so glad. And somehow I, I just believed that God had found her. Maybe she was never found out, but God found her. God can find you and me. Let's bow together in prayer. And so, Lord, perhaps the greatest fear that we ought to nurture is the the fear of not being truly found. May we be available to you, open to one another. And may we as a a people be open to those who are living with an aching vacuum in their lives, a vacuum that only you can fill. Toward that end, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the fields stand white for the harvest. And we are called to be laborers in that field, sharing that love that Christ has first shown to us. Go in peace, live by faith, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and in the life everlasting. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.